Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. That's Leah. She was poor, contrite spirit. That was Leah. Leah was a poor and contrite heart. She wasn't proud. She received the grace of God as it says in James 4, 6, James 4, 6. He giveth more grace. Wherefore, he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. So when Leah names her firstborn son, Reuben, and then said it was because the Lord looked on her affliction, she's keeping the Lord always in her view. She is doing what it says in Proverbs 3, 6. In all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Acknowledge him. Leah is saying, Yes, I'm hated. Yes, my life's miserable. I've just had a son, but now I'm going to acknowledge God and praise God. The word acknowledge is the word know, yada in Hebrew. It's the word know. In all thy ways, know him, see him, know him, recognize him. You didn't just go to the OBGYN specialist and have a baby. God opened your womb. That's yada in him. That's knowing God in all the circumstances of life. So it means in everything that happens in life, see God, know God. Acknowledge God. Some might say to Leah, Leah, the timing was perfect for you to have a baby. So just during your ovulation time, that was wonderful. You didn't even have first response to do it with. <laughs> and rule God right out of the picture. But let, not Leah. Oh, no. Leah would say, oh, no, there's no coincidence here in the explanation. No, there's no coincidence in me having a son. Leah saw, Leah knew, God is what happened. And that's why she said, surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction. She kept God in her view, in her trials. In order to see God in the events of life, there's one requirement, and it's described in Psalm 4610. Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. Be still and yada, know that I am God. I'll be exalted among the heathen. I'll be exalted in the earth. So, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 goes on to say, you know, no have taken you such as common to man. God wills faithful, not suffer you to be tempted above that you were able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. See, God is faithful to make a way of escape. But there's a very important word about that way of escape, and it's the word with. <laughs> it's a very important in there, but he will with the temptation make a way of escape, you know. God could have removed Leah's temptation instantly. Not sure how, but he could. And that's why he's God. He could, maybe he could have changed Jacob's heart. I don't know. Maybe Jacob would have woken up one morning and said, you know, Leah, I love you. <laughs> I'm sure Leah thought not going to happen. But anyway, it doesn't matter because God didn't do that. Nowhere do we read that Jacob ever loved Leah. Nowhere do we read that Jacob ever stopped hating Leah. 
Nowhere do we read that Leah's terrible circumstances were ever removed. Leah's temptation was never taken away from her all of her life, and she outlived Rachel. But God made a way for Leah to escape, that she might be able to bear it. And the way of escape was not the removal of the temptation. The way of the escape was Genesis 29, 32. Leah conceived and bare a son. Leah had a son. No one in Leah's house loved her. Her husband in her house hated her. Her sister in her house hated her. Leah was hated in her house with no one to love her. You know, last Friday night, little Carly came up to Clint and said to Daddy Clint, she said, Daddy, I love you. And that's one of the rare times I've seen Clint smile. (laughs) Well, no one in Leah's house ever said to her, Leah, I love you. Or Mommy, I love you. Surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction. God said that it was enough. And now it was time to have, with the temptation, a way of escape. And that way of escape was, and Leah conceived and bare a son. Now Leah has, with the temptation, a son. And that son is going to say to Leah, Mommy, I love you. And with a son who will say those words that Leah has longed to hear, I love you, Leah will be able to bear the temptation. And when we're seized upon by terrible circumstances, our first prayer is, Lord, take it away. Lord, remove it. Lord, heal me. Lord, deliver me. But God often follows the pattern of 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that he will, with the temptation, not removing it, make a way of escape so we can bear it. Not the will remove the temptation, to make us able to bear it, but will with the temptation make us able to bear it. So God had a purpose in Leah's temptation, which was for Leah to grow spiritually, for her to look to God for her life satisfaction. Don't look at your husband's love for your life satisfaction, Leah. Look to God. And Leah would have never discovered God as her life satisfaction if she had the love of her husband. Her husband never loved her, and that was the heartbreak of Leah's life, the hatred of her husband, but that heartbreak of her life, the hatred of her husband, became the door for Leah to enter into the greatest joy of Leah's life, the love of God. And that's a journey that we're on with her as she moves from the heartbreak of her husband's hatred to the joy of the love of God. So now at the end of verse 32, we see the reason for Leah's heartbreak when she says that um, she conceived, bear a son, called his name Reuben. She said, surely the Lord looked upon my affliction. Now, therefore, will my husband love me. Now, therefore, will my husband love me, she says. You read those words, it breaks our heart. It's a heartbreak. How sad. It's a heartbreak to read how much Leah loved Jacob, how much she wanted to his reciprocal love. She wanted her husband to love her. And she calls Jacob, my husband. She owns him. She knows all too well that he hates her, and it's a heartbreak of her life. So she doesn't say the man or the husband. She says, my husband. She owns him. And she knows that Jacob cringes to hear the words, my husband. And he'll never say the word, my wife, only in the context of, behold, it's Leah. (laughs) And she's dreamed of the day when she would be married. She's imagined her husband loving her. She's never imagined her husband would hate her. It's a heartbreak. And so she loves Jacob, and all she wants is for Jacob just to love her, but instead he hates her. 
But like I said, this is going to be a tremendous development for Leah because she's going to become a lover of God. And nothing else could do that for her. So God's going to use this in Leah's life to develop her spiritual life. And Leah is so taken up with the wonder that God has cared enough to look on my affliction, she dedicates the naming of her firstborn son to the appreciation that God has looked on her affliction. Boy, she's an example for us. Leah is an example for us of how to praise the Lord in the middle of affliction, praise the Lord that he sees my affliction. So with the birth of her firstborn, Leah looks and realizes that God's seen her affliction. So she says, verse 32, surely the Lord has looked at my affliction. She uses that special word for affliction, oni, which comes from the Hebrew word onah, which means depressed or pushed down. It's the same word that's used to describe the Lord Jesus Christ when he was suffering for our sins in Isaiah 53, 7. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He's brought as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before his shears is dumb. He opened not his mouth. He was oppressed. He was anah. He was afflicted. In that passage, we're told about another time when the Lord looked upon, when God the Father looked upon the affliction, and it says the Father looked upon the affliction of the soul of the Lord Jesus Christ in Isaiah 53, 11. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, shall bear their iniquities. So here's Leah. She's in the middle of a marriage where she loves her husband and her husband hates her. And she says, the Lord has surely looked upon my affliction. Just as the Lord Jesus in the middle of his suffering and dying on the cross for our sins, he can say, he sees the travail of my soul. And when Leah realized that surely the Lord looked upon my affliction, this led her in the end to, and finally we get to the last part of this chapter, it leads her to the highest point of praising God. And that's how she names her last son in in verse 35, Judah. And in the same way, The Lord Jesus Christ on the cross, when he realizes he'll see the travail of my soul, it leads him to this expression of praise in Psalm 22, 23. Psalm 22, 23, ye that fear the Lord, praise him. All you the seed of Jacob, glorify him. Fear him, all you the seed of Israel. He hath not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, neither hath he hid his face from him. But when he cried, he heard, my praise shall be of thee in the great congregation. Pay my vows before them that fear him. Now, we see in verse 32 that with the birth of her firstborn Reuben there, that Leah is just captivated with this thought that, and while she's enthralled with this thought of God looking on her personal affliction, something wonderful happens. Right in the middle of she's being enthralled with this, she conceives again in verse 33. And she conceived again and bare a son and said, because the Lord hath heard that I was hated, He hath therefore given me this son also. She called his name Simeon. So here's Leah. She's having another baby. That's wonderful. She got another son. And the birth of the son, now Leah, what she does, she's enthralled again. Been enthralled the first time with the fact that God, uh, Ra'ah, watches. Names it Ra'ah, Bain, Ruben. So with her firstborn, Leah is enthralled with God looks. And now with the secondborn, what's she enthralled with? That he hears. See, he looks, he hears, because the Lord hath heard that I was hated. She's thrilled with the fact that God has heard that she was hated. And so now, just as she did with Ra'ah, Bain, or Reuben, memorializing the God-looking part on her troubles, now she names her secondborn, and she does the same thing. She memorializes God-hearing. Hebrew word for uh, hear is Shema. And so she says in verse 33, 
And she conceived again and bare a son and said, because the Lord hath shema that I was hated, he hath therefore given me the son also, and she called his name Shema, or Shimon, or Simeon. So here she goes again. She's taken the opportunity to name her secondborn, to memorialize forever. God hears. God is a Shema God. God is a Shema hearing. Shemaon, Shimon. He's hearing. Now Leah has said in verse 32 that the Lord looked on my affliction. And in verse 33, Leah said, the Lord heard that I was hated. How did the Lord hear that, that she was hated? She was telling him. <laughs> she was telling him. Leah told God she was hated. See, the Lord hath heard that I was hated because I told God that I was hated. See, the Lord heard that Leah, I mean, Jacob's not going to tell God that. <laughs> well, he might have. He might have said, I'm married to the one I hate. But anyway, but the Lord hath heard that Leah was hated because Leah told the Lord that she was hated. And that shows us that Leah has been praying. And in her prayer, she's been telling God she was hated. And that's the first step to prayer. The first step to prayer. Tell God what the issue is. <laughs> tell God what the trouble is, as David did. In Psalm 142, too, David said, I poured out my complaint. You know, Jews are very good with complaints. And he says, you know, I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my trouble. Okay? Psalm 62, 8. David goes on to say, Psalm 62, 8, trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. God's a refuge for us. And then Peter goes on to say in 1 Peter 5, 7, 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. See, this scene of pouring out the complaint and pouring out the heart, this is the same as casting it. Don't keep it. Don't keep it for yourself. When it says in Philippians 4, 6, Philippians 4, 6, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. When it says cast all of our care on him, it means don't be careful. Don't be full of the cares. Don't have your care meter peg it full. Have it on empty because you cast your care on him. Be careful for nothing. Cast thy burden, Psalm 55, 22, Psalm 55, 22. Cast thy burden upon the Lord. He'll sustain you. He will not suffer the righteous to be moved. As we've been reading in Isaiah 53, Isaiah 53, 4, surely he bore our griefs. He carried our sorrows. So here are two examples of persons that did just this. They poured out their complaint before God. This first one's Hannah. Hannah did that in 1 Samuel 1, 1 Samuel 1, 13. 1 Samuel 1, 13, it says, Now Hannah, she spake in her heart, but her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought that she'd been drunken, Eli. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before God, before the Lord. That's the first example. She poured out her soul. She was barren, and she poured out her soul. Elkanah had another wife, and that was issue, taunted her. And so she was troubled. She poured out her soul before God. David said in Psalm 18.3, Psalm 18.3, I will call upon the Lord who's worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies. The sorrows of death compassed me, and the floods of ungodly man made me afraid. 
The sorrows of hell compassed me about. The snares of death prevented me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God, and he heard my voice out of his temple, and my cry came before him, even in his ears. See? So it's all song is all built around this. Are you weary? Are you heavy-hearted? Tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus. Are you grieving over joys departed? Tell it to Jesus alone. Do you fear the gathering clouds of sorrow? Tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus. Are you anxious what shall be tomorrow? Tell it to Jesus alone. Are you troubled at the thought of dying? Tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus. For Christ's coming kingdom, are you sighing? Tell it to Jesus alone. Tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus. He's a friend that's well known. You've no other such a friend or brother. Tell it to Jesus alone. Kind of a message keeps repeating there. Tell it to Jesus. That's what Leah did. Leah did that. Leah told it to Jehovah Jesus alone. Leah told Jehovah Jesus alone that she was hated. And in the naming of Shimon, she said, the Lord hath heard that I was hated. Leah had no one else to talk to. I mean, who's she gonna tell her complaint to? She couldn't talk to her husband, he hated her. She couldn't talk to her father, he betrayed her. She couldn't talk to her sister, she was in jealousy over her husband's affections with her. She had only one person she could talk to, God. Like it says, In Psalm 142, Leah poured out her complaint to God and showed God her trouble that she was hated. Like it says in Psalm 62, Leah poured out her heart of pain over being hated before God. Like it says in 1 Peter 5, 7, Leah cast her care on God. And Psalm 55, 22, Leah cast her burden upon the Lord. So with the naming of her second son, Leah was telling the world, God hears God hears, I'm not just talking to a sky. God hears, when you pour out your complaint to God, God hears, when you show him your trouble, God hears, when you cast your burden, God catches it. So in the naming of her firstborn, Leah loved the Lord and worshiped the Lord because he looked on her affliction. In the naming of her secondborn, Leah loved the Lord and worshiped the Lord because he heard when she prayed that she was hated. See, this is what David was talking about when he said in Psalm 116, verse one, Psalm 116, verse one, I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplications, because he hath inclined his ear unto me. Therefore, will I call upon him as long as I live. See, David said, I love the Lord. Literally, the Hebrew reads, I love because the Lord hath heard. The Septuagint puts it nicely. It puts it this way. I love that the Lord should hear me. That's really the concept there. I love that the Lord should hear me. The Septuagint, it's really captured the same thought that Leah is expressing there. It's an enthrallment or a charm that absorbs the attention. It said, God heard my prayer. See, that's what Leah is expressing when she's just enthralled with the fact that, that God heard her particular request, her supplication, her complaint. And what did Leah and David have as a result of this? They had a conscious love for God because he heard their personal prayers. It was like a glowing inside their soul because God had heard their personal prayers. It was a special tenderness and a joy that they had for God because God heard their personal prayers. All that is what God wants us to have. God wants us to have a conscious love for God. He wants us to have this glowing in our souls for God. He wants us to have this special tenderness and joy inside of us for God. 
And we can never have that unless we personally pray, unless we do pour out our heart to God. We can never have that unless we stretch out our souls, not in a mindless repeating Christianese words and phrases in prayers. And this challenges us with questions today. Do we have a conscious, a real conscious love for God? Do we really have a glowing in our souls over God? Do we really have this tenderness and joy in our souls over God? If not, then it's time to do what David and Leah did, get down to business in heart, soul, pouring out personal prayer to God. And in this psalm, David is saying, I love God only, I will love God only, and that's for a special reason. Why do I love God? Because he hath heard. Because he hath heard. That was the reason he loved God. That was his personal reason, and it was personal. Because he hath heard my voice. That's personal. Because he hath heard my voice. Very personal. He hath inclined, nata, stretched. He hath stretched his ear unto me. You know, that word natan, nata, which is translated as inclined, it's a stretch. It has the meaning like God is specially ready. He's specially willing to hear our prayers. In Psalm 31 too, bow down thine ear, nata, thine ear to me. Deliver me speedily. Be thou my strong rock for a house of defense to save me. Psalm 86, one. Psalm 86, one. Bow down, nata, thine ear, O Lord. Hear me, for I am poor and needy. See, the word nata, a stretch for incline, it has this meaning that God is just, you know, he's, he's taking his ear and stretching it down there, you know? And even though we might be very weak, you know, we might be just kind of like whispering groanings. The idea of nata is that he puts his ear right over our mouth when we pray. And so even in the weakness of our groanings, he puts his ear on our mouth. So like it says in Romans eight twenty six, likewise, the spirit also helpeth our infirmities. We know not what to pray for as we ought, but the spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered. See, in Jeremiah 8, 6, Jeremiah 8, 6, God says, I hearkened and heard, but they spake not aright. I hearkened and heard, but they spake not aright. Well, it wasn't, they didn't know what they were saying. But I heard, I heard the groanings. See, that's inclined. That's nata. So God's nata, or he stretches down his ear to us to help us, but that leaves us with a challenge. And the challenge is, we have to nata also. We have to nata down, and our nata is described in Proverbs twenty two seventeen. Bow down thine ear, nata. Bow down thine ear and hear the words of the wise and apply thine heart unto my knowledge. That's what Hagar said when she said in, in Genesis sixteen thirteen. She called the name of the Lord that spake unto her, Thou God seest me. Hmm, looks like Leah's gotten a little instruction from Hagar. Thou God seest me. She said, Have I also looked after him that seeth me? It goes both ways. God bent down to help me. Have I bent down to hear his words? And then David says, therefore will I call upon him. See, after this experience of understanding that God has heard him, David now makes a vow. I'm going to be a man of prayer. Therefore will I call upon him for the rest of my life. I'm going to be a... The experience, David could say, the experience of answered prayers has encouraged me to pray more. And God answers prayer to make us love prayer. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.com. 
friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at Tom Cantor. That's T-O-M-C-A-N-T-O-R, Tom Cantor, at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor, at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Thanks for listening to Friendship with God with Tom Cantor. Looking for an exciting career in the medical field or biotech industry? Join Scanabody's Biologics, founded by a Christian businessman, Tom Cantor. It's a premier company dedicated to advancing patient care and serving the community of San Diego. Scanabody's has global operations and over 700 employees and growing. And if you have a heart for people and a desire to join a leading biotech company, call us 619-258-9300, 619-258-9300, scanabodies.com, that's scanabodies.com.